comes to us. Our scripture reading is from Jeremiah chapter 7, verses 21 through 28. And Jeremiah deals with many different topics, many different aspects, and I don't, did not preach from every single section uh, or every single passage, but picked many of the topics so there's a general sense of what's covered in the book and the wonderful truths therein. So Jeremiah 7, 21 through 28, this is the word of God. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, add your burnt offerings to your sacrifice and eat meat. For I did not speak to your fathers or command them in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt concerning burnt offerings or sacrifices. But this is what I commanded them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people. And walk in the ways that I have commanded you, that it may be well with you. Yet they did not obey, or incline their ear, but follow the counsels and the dictates of their evil hearts, and went backward and not forward. Since the day that your fathers came out of the land of Egypt until this day, I have sent to you all my servants, the prophets, daily rising up early and sending them. And yet they did not obey me or incline their ear, but stiffened their neck. They did worse than their fathers. Therefore you shall speak all these words to them, but they will not obey you. You shall also call to them, but they will not answer you. So you shall say to them, This is a nation that does not obey the voice of the Lord their God, nor receive correction. Truth has perished and has been cut off from their mouth. That is the word of the Lord. Is your love for God real or is it fake? Well, brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, Imagine what it would be like if a wife gave her husband a Valentine's present and he looks at her straight in the face and says, I don't want it. You don't love me. You abuse my children. Keep the gift for yourself. Wouldn't that be a shocker? Well, that's what God said to his bride. She thought that as long as she had the temple still remaining in Jerusalem and went through the rituals and offered whatever sacrifices she wanted, it didn't matter if she lived corrupted lives. It didn't matter if she abused her children. It didn't matter if she ran to other gods on the side. That God was going to keep her and accept her token of love. That's the subject we're looking at today. The headings are three. God rejected unacceptable gifts. Second, God desired faithful obedience. That's the gift he wanted. And then third, and very sadly, God predicted blatant disobedience. It would never come with faithful obedience. The gift he really wanted. Our goals are that you will remember that God does not want tokens of love, but true love. And that you will examine your life and the life of your church and see if you are living worthily as one who has been redeemed by Christ and brought in as part of the bride of God. We see first that God rejected the unacceptable gifts that were given by his bride. 
God uses judgment name to begin. And that's always you perk your ears up when you see that phrase, Lord of hosts, Lord of armies, instead of his covenant name, Yahweh. God told the Jews, for starters, they could just as well eat the meat from their burnt offerings and their sacrifices because they had no value to him. Now the burnt offering was a special offering. It was called the Ola. And I always think of it the whole sacrifice. The whole sacrifice was burnt up and offered to God. It showed a total dedication of man to God. And it showed a total dedication of the work of Christ. To satisfy God's anger against man. And God was saying in reality. You know there's some sacrifice you could eat. Mix that with the burnt offerings. The one that should only be offered to me. And you eat it. Because that's the only benefit you would get. From those sacrifices. That's the bluntness. Of the rejection. Of these gifts. That they were offering to God. It was unacceptable to him. And this is not strange. Every week I've shown you so far that this is what God had said before the northern ten and a half tribes were taken into captivity. For example, we read in the book of Amos, chapter 5, verse 21. God said to them, I hate, I despise your feasts. And I do not savor your sacred assemblies. Though you offer me burnt offerings and your grain offerings, I will not accept them, nor will I regard your fattened peace offerings. And they knew these words. They saw what happened to their big brother, the ten and a half tribes in the north. But here Judah still ignored the word of God. And then let me read something because this is the most difficult part of the text. Verse 22. For I did not speak to your fathers or command them in that day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt concerning burnt offerings or sacrifice. God reiterated here that he did not want their sacrifice and burnt offerings. But is that really true? Was God saying, don't bring burnt offerings to me? Don't bring sacrifices to me? Well, this was a style of speech. And if you get this, it will help you in other parts of the Bible as well. So you must read this verse in this way. For I uh, did not speak to your fathers or command them in the land that I brought them out of Egypt concerning burnt offerings or sacrifices only, but obedience also. So God did not want their sacrifices without their obedience. What this is, it was to de-emphasize something, in this case, the sacrifice, to emphasize something else, their obedience. And you see this, let me illustrate this in a few different ways. When Joseph was taken into captivity and sold as a slave, when he met with his brothers, he said to them in Genesis 45 verse 8, so now it was not you who sent me here, but God. Now, what does that mean? Wasn't it the brothers who sold them? Yes, it was. But he was de-emphasizing their work to emphasize that God was the sovereign one. So when you read that passage of scripture, you should read it this way. For it was not you who sent me here only, but God also. 
You have to understand the words. We speak like that all the time, where you assume the person will know what you are talking about. Or Peter, he said, don't let your outward dress be the braiding of hair or wearing of gold, but an inward and humble, have an inward and humble spirit. He wasn't saying don't wear gold or don't braid your hair. He's saying don't let that be the only things would, that would show your person, but have that inward humble spirit also. Another good example is um, Jacob fighting with the Lord Jesus in that wrestling match. What did the Lord say to him? He says, your name will no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. And then a few verses later, God was saying, hey, Jacob. What he meant there to say, or what Moses was writing there, he implied those two words. Your name will not just be Jacob only, but Israel also. Right? So you understand you have to fill in words to make the sense of uh, the, the get the context. The love of money is the root of what? All evil? Well, you have to understand it means all kinds of evil. It means it's showing, emphasizing something, and you fill in the word because that's how we speak. That's how God spoke to us as well. If you try to get literalistic uh, in interpreting the scriptures, you will get into trouble. Then you will have to say the Bible has errors. It doesn't. So, God was saying to them in this, but back to our text, I did not speak to your fathers or command them in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt concerning burnt offerings and sacrifices only, because God did speak to them about that, but God wanted to speak to them about obedience also. That's really the first point. God rejected their unacceptable sacrifices that were no good for him. Let me give you some lessons. First of all, God will not protect you from judgment if you offer polluted lives to him. He wants a clean bride, a bride who truly loves him. Listen to what he says in Exodus chapter 15, verse 26. He said, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I brought, uh, brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. What did God want? Obedience. Second, and that's what he expects from you as well. Don't expect to bribe God and get a license to sin. That's what the Roman Catholics used to do. You could buy a license to do wrong. The indulgences. That's not with the Heavenly Father. And some people think, as long as I come to church on Sunday, as long as I'm a member of Salem, it doesn't work that way. God sees through that and will punish you if you try to do that. Sacrifices without obedience is nothing. In fact, there's an increased punishment upon those who pretend to please God by ritual obedience because you know better. You know better. God expects that. And then third, with that said, God does not need your worship. He commands your worship, but he does not need your worship. 
Why then does God say you've got to worship me and worship me properly? Why then does he say you have to live for me and live for me well? Well, he commands you to worship and live for him because men must live to glorify God. If you are in the branch or you, you are in, in the trunk and you're drawing from the vine, you will produce good fruits. You're expected to do so, fruits of obedience, living for God and worshiping him. And second, when you meet with God, when you live for God, it's the basis of your reward. The Lord gives gifts to those who worship him, who come and listen to him. Who come and are encouraged by him and rebuked by him and instructed by him. But you must really keep that at the back of your mind. It's not that God is desperate and saying, please, please, please worship me. He's saying you should. Because that's what you should do to glorify the one who saved you. You should because you will get gifts to do the work that I call you to do. You want to be able to raise godly seed? You have to be nourished with good things, with good food, so that you will grow. Now, God rejected those unacceptable gifts, first of all, because they didn't come properly. They didn't come with proper adoration and worship. And he said, stay away from me. You can take it. You eat it if you want, because you would not get any blessings from me. Instead, what did God want? He wanted true love. He wanted... Faithful obedience from his bride. A bride that would honor him. So instead of offering sacrifices. Let alone deceitful sacrifices. Because then they started offering blind animals. Lame animals. Spotted animals. Old animals. Unacceptable animals. God required that they live for him. And worship him in purity. He wanted them to know that obedience also was better than their sacrifices. Living faithfully before him. 1 Samuel 15, 22 says, Then Samuel said, As the Lord has great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices. He wasn't saying that they were bad. But he says, You think that is as good as obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. And to heed or to listen, better than the fat of rams. And the fat was burned up to God as an offering to him. And God saying, as good as that is, listening to me is way more important. You know, just like you would say. A child might say, oh yeah, I'm going to do that. I love you, mommy. I love you, daddy. I'm going to do that. But if you don't obey your parents, children, that's showing that the love is not real. You could talk all you want. You can show the tokens of love. But you have to obey. You can't say, Mom, I love you, and I, but I don't want to help you do the dishes. That's not, that's not love. That's talk. And that's part of the problem. And in this case, even the talk wasn't very good, acceptable to God. John 4.26, the Lord Jesus, dealing with the Samaritan woman, said, God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, or according to truth. It's got to be done from the heart and in the right way. That's what God expected. But it's not just worship that must be better. It's your lifestyle. God wants faithful obedience before he will accept your gifts. God wanted the Jews to walk worthily in every way. Not pick and choose how they wanted to live. 
and to encourage them to live according to God's law, God promised that if they obeyed his voice, they could be assured of his blessing, the blessings they needed. This was common throughout the scriptures. It's peppered with reminders and encouragements to obey God and the blessings that would follow. Deuteronomy 5.29, for example, says, Oh, that they had such a heart in them that they would fear me and always keep my commandments. That it might be well with them and with their children forever. That is the promise. We talked last time about that. You, you want prosperity in the land. It's got to start with obedience and submission. And when we move away from that, we end up in sadness and debt. More debts than we'll be able to pay off in our, our lifetime or in our children's lifetime. And in fact, Jesus had a strong rebuke for the Pharisees in Matthew 23, 23. He said, you paid tithes, mint, anise, and cumin, and you forget the weightier matters of the law. Faith, justice, mercy, the things that really matter. And you're going through these ritual things and think that's what's important. As if you could please God with those trivial things. And even then they were telling the people, don't worry about giving to your parents. Don't worry about taking care of your old parents. What you need to do is give the money to the church because it's better. So even the ritual obedience, the small things, were nothing to God. Just weakness. And God wanted the Jews to walk worthily. By reminding them of their failures in the past. See the Lord didn't just say. Hey do what's right. He approaches from all different directions. He says walk worthily. Choose how you want to live. But I'll give you a reminder. Look at the past and what happened. He said look I sent the law to you. You have the law. You had the privilege of the ten commandments. In code and even explanations. And applications of those laws. So you were not left like the world that was bound to obey the laws, but they didn't have them. I sent you my prophets. He uses language. Look, I woke up early using human language because God never sleeps. And I sent my prophets saying, go there, warn them. Remember what happened at the time of the judges. From the time they entered into the land, they started rejecting the judges. As soon as that generation of Joshua died, the Bible says... And everyone did what was right in his own eyes. God sent his prophets out of love saying, wake up from what you're doing. Remember the warnings you got that the land will spit you out if you turn against me. They didn't listen. Then after that, in the time of the northern kingdoms, the ten and a half tribes in the north, God warned them as we read from Amos. God says, watch your life. You're obsessed with the pleasures and wealth and profit and business. But you're ignoring the worship. And even when you worship me, it's no good. Look at what happened to them. Judah still didn't accept it. Then after captivity, during the days of Haggai and Zechariah, God said the same thing again. Look at what you're doing. You read the book of Zechariah. Interesting pictures. The Lord said, Remind, remember what happened? Remember how you were taken away captive, that woman with that big pot. And there is the children of, of Israel, the northern tribes and the southern tribes being taken away into a foreign land. Remember again what happened then. 
And then finally, after Jesus died and the Jews continued to reject him, choosing rather to give these token aspects or token worship, token relationship with him. They wanted the name of Christ. They didn't abandon God, but he only wanted the, the cover of Christianity. And they lived however they want. And just like it was in Samaria before, just like for the northern tribes, just like it was in Jerusalem during the time of Jehoiakim at the end of Judah's reign, so it was when the Romans came. Jerusalem was prosperous. The capital city was doing great business. Big metropolis. And they fell in love with the money and ignored the Lord. The response, um, the Lord declared, yet they did not obey me in the past, even when I sent all of these people. And what happened? They became stiff-necked. You know that phrase? He who is continually reproved and hardened his neck will suddenly be cut off and that without remedy. That's what happened in the past. And you know, as was the Spanish um, philosopher Santayana, made popular by Jim Jones, those who forget the past are condemned to repeat it in the future. That's what they did. They forgot. They didn't care about it. Psalm 50, uh, sorry, let me um, back up a little. They set up their own will in competition with God's will, but God does not compete with men. He left them alone. Let me give you a few lessons here. The Bible says you must present your lives as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And that came in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. If you see the verse before, Romans eleven thirty six, it says, For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. The first part of Romans talks about our salvation, uh, our sin, and then our salvation. And then the third part, beginning in chapter 12, it says how we are to serve God, how we are to live for him. Guilt, grace, gratitude, same thing. And he's saying you ought to present yourselves as living sacrifices, which is your only reasonable service. You've been redeemed. This is how you should live. Live holily before the Lord. Show you truly love him. This is the gift he wants from you. Holy lives, clean lives. That will shun sin and say no. And run like Joseph ran away from Potiphar's wife. By the way the ESV butchers that text. And says which is your religious act of worship or something similar. It's much bigger than that. It's your whole life and how you live. Psalm 51 verse 16 and 17 say this. For you did not deserve, desire sacrifice. And he means sacrifice only again. Or else I would give it to you. You do not delight in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart. That's where you put in also. These, O oh God, you will not despise. Yes, God wanted the sacrifices. But he wanted the heart more. That's how you become pleasing to him. That's the gift he wants. Second. If you continue to sin, God might have to break your spiritual neck. Now what does that mean? 
It could mean many things. Just like the stubborn donkey had to have its neck broken, so God may have to bring judgment upon the church. He might have to break up the church. He might have to cause some serious troubles in your life or allow them to come in so that you will learn from them. And broadly for the church, it might mean persecution that will cause the church to go running because of its carelessness. I know it doesn't seem that that is possible right now because we still live in a reasonable, reasonably a civilized society. But let's not forget places like Turkey. Those were places that were dominated by the Lord and Christianity. Look at where they are today. Syria. All of those places were filled with the gospel. And look at the troubles that they're in today. So much of Africa was filled with the gospel in the early 1900s. And it's all gone. That same thing could continue. Where God may have to break our necks because he says, you're too stubborn. You won't listen. Third, woe to the church that does not want gospel preachers. Woe to the nations who reject God's gospel truth. Woe to the families whose cupboards are barren with the gospel. You know, your children are going to learn from you. What do they hear in the house? What Do you take the time to teach them? To discipline them? To listen to their struggles and, and find answers to them? And of course, we have to keep in mind, always at the background... It's not just obedience that come out of the air. There's no obedience without the regeneration of the heart. And that's something only God can do. And only through the sacrifice of Jesus. Then and only then can one live an obedient life. A life enraptured with love for God and for his church. Not a life driven by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. Not a life driven by ritual obedience. But a life driven by love, knowing the one who redeemed you from hell. Now, God rejected the unacceptable gifts that were given to him, the blind animals and all, because the sacrifices of bad were bad and the hearts were bad. The hearts didn't come with hearts of love and affection for the one who redeemed them. So God says, I don't want that. Here's what I want. I want faithful obedience. I want you to love my law. Study it all the day like the psalmist says. And then apply it to your lives. But the third point is where it becomes really depressing. And this is where you need to pay special attention. God predicted blatant disobedience. They did not listen. When God told Jeremiah that... Judgment is at the door and he told it to the people that it would last for 70 years. They said, nah, even if you go two years maximum and you'll be back. That's what the prophets were lying to the people and saying. And God declared that the Jews would not repent. They would understand God's voice, but they would stick their fingers in their ears. You know, here's the beautiful thing. It's wonderful to have a baby named Jeremiah today. 
good application. And this is where it really comes. Jeremiah was not discouraged by what the Lord said. He saw the people rejecting, but he became bolder, not back away and said, well, you know, it's hopeless. Look at the way the church is. I've had enough. I'm gone. That's what I would have done. Not him. He stood up, and God had to be exalted. He's living up to his name. God even declared to Jeremiah in verse 28 that the people would be stubborn, rejecting his voice and his correction, repeating it to him. And then to make matters worse, God said to Jeremiah, you know, Jeremiah, truth has died in this land. Truth has become a distant memory. Literally he's saying the Jews had a funeral for truth. They didn't care about truth anymore. They cared about cash. Success by the world standards. Now of course God was saying this. With the hope that they would be shocked by the state of their situation and repent. But they did not repent. And almost 70 years they spent in captivity. In fact... The Lord even showed a little bit of mercy. And it was like a couple of years before the end of the 70 years. That he sent the Medo-Persians to rescue them. Well when they came back to Jerusalem through uh, Cyrus. Cyrus said I want you to go back. I want you to uh, rebuild the temple. I want you to restore worship. And I want you to get ready for the spread of the kingdom around the world. And then the people as you read in the book of Haggai. Started building houses paneled housing, one in the city, one in the country. They had to have their cottages for the heat. And they focus upon wealth. And God said, I'll put holes in your pocket. And you'll keep putting in and it'll keep falling out. You'll drink, but you will not be satisfied. Because the temple is still in ruins. And then the same thing happened again, AD 70 where the entire nation was destroyed and the temple had to be destroyed permanently never to be rebuilt what can we learn here well God hates profession without practice but this is what he expected from people without a heart to serve him people with no regard for what he had done for them so the question then while that was their case for you is your love real you've done profession of faith that's good is there proof of your faith real proof do you love others are you willing to sacrifice yourself for others putting yourself out of time maybe losing some hours at work to help someone do you tell others the gospel? The one who doesn't tell others about the gospel doesn't understand the gospel. If you understand the gospel, that's the only means by which man is saved, you're going to tell others about it. Because it's a life and death thing that you have in your possession. God wants love to accompany your profession. Second, it is your job as God prophets to speak God's truth to the church 
and to the world, even if they don't obey, even if they reject you, and often they don't want to hear, why would you continue to speak to people who don't want to hear? There are two reasons. Sometimes you have to be persistent. Sometimes you have to share the gospel 40 times with somebody before they accept it. And then, even if they don't accept it, that will be used as the basis of their condemnation by God. Remember, the Bible says it's a two-edged sword. It heals. It also severs them from the kingdom. And God will use their rejection as a basis of their judgment. Uh, 2 Corinthians 2.15 says, For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one we are the aroma of death leading to death, and to the other the aroma of life leading to life. So you have to keep speaking, even when people reject it. And then, next, in the midst of so many who refuse the gospel, there are some who will receive it. There are some who will listen to that call. Don't ever stop preaching. Isaiah 58 verse 1 says, Cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet. Tell my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. This is how you show your love to God. That's the gift he wants from you. Let's conclude. The Jews gave God whatever they wanted. But he rejected their unacceptable gifts. God expected good sacrifices. Sacrifice that picture Jesus Christ. And faithful obedience. God warned his bride to get her life right. But he knew she wouldn't. So brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. As then. Today the church is willful. The bride of God is wandering from. Wandering away from him. It wants to offer God ritual obedience. It wants to offer God what it thinks is best. That's where this felt needs silliness came from. Let's give the people what they feel they need instead of what God has commanded. But God is disgusted with it. And God rejects ritual obedience. Most of Canada says they're Christians. Think that's remotely true? There's a lot of ritual obedience. So start first with a self-examination. See if you have fallen into that trap. And you've gone through the rhythm. You've, gone, you've done profession of faith. And you've just been surviving. God wants affection from you. He doesn't need it. He wants it because that's how he blesses you. That's how he's pleased with you. Then examine the church. Not only our congregation here. But other congregation, the church as a whole. And see where the church has lost its passion for Christ. And has emphasized the needs of man over the commands and desire of God. And look at our world and see where the world is going. You have the boldness of Jeremiah to stand up and speak. That's what God expects. Don't be afraid. Not of the world. Be afraid of God. But don't be afraid of the world. What's the worst thing they could do? Send you to heaven? They're hopeless in what they could do to you. That's the worst they could do. Is send you to heaven. If you stand up and speak. But in the midst of all that rejection. There's still God's elect people as well. Who will hear. And be helped by the preaching of the word of God. So don't stop speaking. Let them come and serve God. Help them to love God as well. 
And finally, if the Christian's best can't please God, if you're not a Christian, you know you definitely can't please God. None of us can. What will please God? It will please God if you plead the blood of Christ. That's the song we just sang about that. Those five wounds that he bore. His hands, his feet, and his side for you. That's the blood that the priest would take into the holiest place and sprinkle on that seat. Beg for mercy. That's what you are able to offer to God. That's what will please God. That you come in faith. Pleading the blood of Christ. And then live a life of obedience. May God.